Well, as we're turning back to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're studying the armor of God, we're studying about this great passage in Scripture that reminds us that we need to be strong in the Lord. Uh, and maybe more importantly, we can be strong in the Lord. Uh, there's great hope. There's, there's a, a great understanding of, of truth. And so the truth is, there is an enemy. There's a, a real enemy. Uh, and like any battle, battles are bloody. Battles are, are, are messy. There's casualties. I grew up in a time where there was this thing called the Cold War, right? And the Cold War was between the United States and the Soviet Union. And, you know, after two just devastating world wars and uh, other conflicts, there, there was this Cold War between America and the United States. And it's like, well, let's, we'll kind of hedge this battle. So, so maybe it won't be on the field. Maybe it won't be with jets and tanks and, and missiles. It'll, it'll be in other ways. You know, the, the Soviet Union had their Iron Curtain in, the, in, in Eastern Europe. And there were all these like proxy battles. So America and the United States, they weren't, you know, quote unquote, at war with each other, but they would go fight proxy battles. They would go to Korea. They would go to Vietnam, any third world country that was, you know, uh, kind of up for dibs. And as long as there was like no, no nuclear warfare, right? It's like nuke safety. Um, I remember as a kid, they'd be counting, well, you know, we, we now have you know, this many nuclear bombs and Russia has this many and we have this many and that many. It was just like, you know, unlike the COVID chart on CNN, you'd have the nuclear weapon chart, you know, on each side. And the idea was, well, you know, now we can blow the world up 10 times. Now we can do it 20 times. And, and it was like, the, here, here's this kind of this war that's not really a war directly with, with Russia and the United States, but indirectly. And they were all over the place. Um, there was these, this Cold War where it was political, right? There's a lot of politics involved. Uh, there was a lot of propaganda. You know, I mean, who didn't like Rocky IV? Rocky against Drago, the Russian. You know, again, that was the, the Soviet Union versus the United States. And we'd have tons of, of movies that were, were like that. Sports were a big deal. You know, you'd, you'd go to the Olympics, and that's why one of the greatest athletic moments was, you know, our, our young hockey team that was just full of teenagers and college guys facing the Red Army of the Soviet Union who were, you know, a bunch of, you know, professionals and, and fantastic. And, and so, you know, instead of fighting a battle on the battlefield, let's fight it out in hockey. Well, maybe not a bad, a good use of, not, not really fighting in hockey, even though that's part of hockey, but um, can get confused with hockey. Uh, well, that's old hockey, new hockey's <laughs> gentle. <laughs> and I don't like it. Um, but anyway, that's, but as the Cold War was going on, there was kind of, you know, this, well, are we really at war or aren't we at war? We'll ask somebody who was in the armed forces, 
they, they knew that they were going and getting involved in conflicts. But in America, you know, we were safe, we were happy, and there were no nuclears being dropped. And so, you know, there's, there's yeah, it's kind of a war. We kind of live the same way. We, we, we have our own Cold War with, with satanic forces. And we need to be reminded that, well, there really is a war. And we've been deceived by the enemy into thinking, well, there isn't a war. There's no war. Just, you know, nothing to see here. No, no problem here. I was reminded with the screw tape letters and one of the, the passages in screw tape letters is humans are amphibians. Humans are amphibians. It's interesting. Half spirit, half animal. As spirits, they belong to the eternal world, but as animals, they inhabit time. What a, what a great reminder that we're spiritual beings. This physical flesh is very temporary. And yet we put all our mind and attention in the physical when really we be, should be thinking more about the spiritual. And so we're, we're like amphibians. We're here and we're in the physical, but, but we're spiritual at all times too. We do both. But we are spirit beings. God has created us for eternity. For eternity. This is just boot camp. Um, and the idea then is that there is a, an eternity in heaven where there is no war. There is only then peace. And so we're reminded that, well, if there is war, if there is a war taking place, well, there's only two sides. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two kings. Soldiers serve one king. We're soldiers. We're described as soldiers. If you maybe forget, you know, even Father Abraham, you know, had the little march, right? Father A. And they're marching. Why? Because they're soldiers. Other songs, onward Christian soldiers, right? We are soldiers. We need to be reminded that we're soldiers and the battle is taking place. And so we've been studying how, how Satan is that chief enemy. He is God's enemy. If he's God's enemy, he's our enemy. And we're looking at five realities, five lessons of who Satan is. And it, the first one we saw last week was Satan waged war since the very beginning. We also looked at Satan's war is against humanity. And today we're going to see Satan's war on Jesus. We're going to see Satan's war on you. And then we're going to see that Satan's war will end. It will end. And so just as a quick little background and reminder, uh, starting at Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, 10, finally, be strong in the Lord. We're, we're exhorted to be strong. We're, we're not spiritual weaklings. We have nothing to be afraid of. We, we don't have to be cowards in this battle. Be strong. And in the strength, not of your might, of his might. So put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand firm. You are able to stand firm. 
against the schemes of the devil. The devil is real. And we'll get more into that. And the schemes are real. For our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the physical, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So here we are as amphibians. We're here physically. There's a spiritual battle taking place and we're part of that. And so who is this, this devil? Well, as a reminder, again, first we saw that the devil was been there since the beginning, right? In the Garden of Eden, there was Adam, there was Eve, and there was the devil, the serpent of old, right? He was right there. But we also learn and understand from the very first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God, God created. God created the heavens and the earth. God created the universe. God created even the angels, the fallen angels became demons, even Satan himself. He is the creator. He is the almighty, the master. <clears throat> we see that Satan and his angels, who are they, where they come from? Well, they were, they were fallen. They were created as spirit beings in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. They are created as spiritual beings. In Isaiah 14, 12, we see that they're fallen from heaven. So they were angels living in heaven and their, their fall from grace because of the rebellion against God with Satan. Revelation 12, 9, Satan was thrown down with his angels. Why is Hebrew 12, 22 reminds us because they rebelled against God. They rebelled. And so Satan's been on the attack from the beginning. Even before Adam and Eve, he was on the attack. He attacks God's authority and he loves to attack God's people. Why? Well, the second reality we learned was Satan's war is against humanity. We saw that with Job. Here's this, this good and righteous man and, and, and God's or, or Satan is advocating against Job. And so Satan attacks this upright Job. We learn that Satan is roaming around on the earth. He's going to and fro from the earth and heaven and in the presence of God. He's able to do that. Now, he's not in charge, but there's a lot of power there. Satan is a powerful enemy. And he takes a strong position against mankind. We saw again in Genesis right away in Genesis chapter 3 against Adam and Eve. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he attempts to, to blind men. See, Satan from the beginning with Adam and Eve, his whole playbook is to blind and deceive you, to trick you, to lie to you, to use people to trick you and lie to you, to use every single thing within his realm, whether it's a song, a movie, a book, a preacher, an evangelist, your friend, your wife, your husband, anybody to 
distort the truth, to create deception. That's why we need to know what the truth is so that we can defend it. But that's his tactic. He uses 1 Timothy 4.1, deceitful doctrines. There's a lot of deceitful doctrines. That's why we have so many denominations. We've, we've got like 37 Baptist denominations and another 30-something Methodist denominations. Just, just within those two, that means they have different doctrines, different belief systems. Well, they can't all be right. Um, and so with mankind and Satan, the, the collective comes together to create deceitful art, doctrines that then we argue about, right? Um, Satan is there to tempt mankind to sin, not to, to create trials and tests like James 1 and, and Romans 5 says, so that we will be stronger and, and, and have more character. No, he tempts to create sin. Acts 5.3 and 1 Corinthians 7.5. Ultimately, Satan's goal is to, to thwart and to hinder God's ministry. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And so Satan's team, Satan and his demonic angels are armed and ready to do battle against humanity. But a third reality that we learn is that Satan's war is against Jesus. And Satan, again, is not a bashful enemy. Turn with me to Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Jesus is tempted by Satan. Matthew 4. Verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. So here comes a form of Satan's deception. If you're the son of God, there's no if he is the son of God, but he sets a proposition in an attempt to challenge that him turning bread into or stone into bread has no bearing on whether he's the son of God. Verse four, but he answered and said, it is written. Jesus comes back with the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Verse 5, then the devil took him into the holy city and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He, God will give his angels charge concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up and lest you strike your foot against a stone. You know, you could, if, if you're really God, let me challenge this. If you're really God, then just throw yourself over and the angels will come and catch you. We hear that. Well, if God really exists, and then here's a challenge, then I, I want to see him. I want to I see a miracle. I want to, right? It's, it's, it's all part of Satan's tactics. Well, Jesus comes back and says again, verse 7, on the other hand, it is written, Jesus comes back a second time, 
with the word. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I don't, I don't challenge God's sovereignty. I don't challenge God's power by standing out in the middle of Kent Kingley and letting a car hit me and saying, you know what? He can heal me. He has the power and the authority to do that. He'll heal me. So I'm going to, you guys can all watch from in here. No, that's testing God. God didn't tell, didn't write that anywhere that I'm supposed to do that. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Remember what it always appeals to Satan, glory and kingdoms and, and power, right? Verse 9, and he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Well, that's interesting. We see again here that Satan has a certain amount of power and authority on earth. And his great desires to get Jesus, the third person of the triune Godhead, to bow down and worship him. That's what he's always want. In verse 10, then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. Just a direct charge to who this is, who he's talking to. Why? For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, a third time, Jesus uses Scripture to defend himself. No no great argument, no great deep theological dissertation, just a simple verse. In verse 11, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. See, Satan's war is, is against God. Satan's war is against God's people. Satan's war is against Jesus. Now, here's some things we, 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 we can glean. One, Satan's not afraid to go after Jesus. I don't think he's afraid to go after you. I know some of you may have done a couple sit-ups in your time or you know, maybe can bench something, but uh, that doesn't impress Satan at all. Here's the cool thing. James 4. Turn with me to James. James chapter 4. We saw that Jesus establishes a pattern for us to resist the temptation of the devil. What is the pattern? Use his word. What's the key there? You got to know it. You got to know God's word. It's got to be flowing within you. It's got to be in your, in your mind. It's got to be in your heart. If it's in your mind, it's in your heart, it can come out of your hands, right? You, you live it. And so that's why in Psalm 1, when it says meditate on God's word day and night. Why? So you'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which will yield its fruit in season. And when the wind comes, the wind will not wither the leaves, right? No, you can stand. But you got to know God's word. So you got to read it. You got to study it. So it's in you. So it's part of you. So when you get a challenge and Satan's going to distort and twist and deceive the word, you've got to actually know what the word says. Because one little word changes it. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word is God, not a God. Right? One little word, A. 
changes the whole meaning of it. Satan is clever and tricky, but we can we can fight him off. James 4.1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is that the source, your pleasure, that wage war within your members? You lust and do not have. You commit murder and you are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You cannot serve two masters. If you are a friend to the world, you're an enemy to God. If you love this world, if you allow this world to influence you more than God, you're on the wrong team. And make no mistake, it's not that gentle. You're an enemy. An enemy, an enemy. Verse 5. Or do you not think that Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. What a blessing. The Spirit of God dwells within us. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. But He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You can resist the devil and he will flee. You can draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You flee God, you've left. It's like in a relationship. You move out of town. You don't call. You don't write. You don't text. Where's the relationship? You've broken relationship. Cling. Draw near. But you can resist the devil. How do we resist the devil? Right hand, left hand, right? No. The word of God. We use the word of God. That's that's our pattern. We see in Ephesians 6, back to Ephesians 6, and we're going to get into this. How do we fight the devil? With our spiritual armor. We can put on our defense shield. We'll get into that deeper in the next couple weeks. We know, we know that Satan is roaming around to and fro. Job 2, we know he's like a lion. You guys ever watch National Geographic's and the lion? It's not, it's not pretty. They're pretty good at what they do, right? Who do they go after? The old, the weak, the young, right? Don't be the old, the weak, and the young. Be strong, be fit, be firm, be mature. Be spiritually mature. He's cunning as a snake, Genesis 3. So he'll, he'll use tactics. He doesn't just come straight at you as this big, giant, grotesque beast. That's not how he attacks you. He's subtle. But again, remember, Zechariah 3.2 reminds us who, who is in charge. It's the Lord who rebukes Satan. The Lord 
rebuke Satan, not the other way around. We see it was Satan who had to go before the Lord and Job to get permission. God is in charge. Do you know that the devil actually knows that his time is limited? Revelation 12, 2. He knows it. He knows that he's on like this, this limited time and yet he's still fighting and clawing. Now think about that as an enemy. I mean, for me, the closest I can draw is like in, in, in the terms of sports. When you're playing a, a, another team or another person, it's like that person that just will not quit. They won't give up. You have to give everything you've got, every second of the game, every minute, every inning, to the last out, to the last down. You have to keep going. That's how Satan is. He, 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 he reminds me of the, the kamikaze pilots in Japan. We're going to lose. We've lost. You know what you can do as a last-ditch effort? Take your plane and your body and crash your plane into the boat and take out as many as you can as a last-ditch effort, as, as, a, as a grand exit. I'm going to take out one last person, even though it's going to take my life. That's the mentality. Now, now that's a difficult enemy because you have to fight that enemy till the bitter end, even though we win. He, he's a fierce enemy. But remember, he, he doesn't have victory. He doesn't have all power, all authority. He, he's... He's strong, but he's not all-powerful. He's not omnipotent. Um, we even see in, a, in, a, in an example of Acts 19, uh, verse 13 through 16, that there's this evil spirit, and this evil spirit uh, comes upon these, these Jewish exorcists. And what happens here is they... they Look at these guys that are trying to like cast out demons. Like, well, I know Jesus. I've even heard of Paul. I don't know who you are. And they beat him up. What's the lesson? Listen, Satan is strong. He's strong, but he's not all powerful. But he is strong. Respect that. He has great knowledge. But he's not omniscient. He can quote, he, he can misquote scripture with the best of them. He's real good at misquoting scripture. But, but, but he knows things. Remember, he's been in the garden. He's roamed around the garden. He's, he's watched the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Daniel. And I mean, he, he's, he's, he, he knows all this. He was there. Okay? So he has knowledge, but he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's mobile. He can go to and fro, but he's not everywhere at all times. He travels from heaven to earth. He can take on or possess animals. We, we saw that with pigs. He went to a herd of pigs. We see it with people. Uh, not believers, but non-believers. That that he can demon that he can demon possess possess people. Every town that Jesus would go into, 
There was a stirring up of the evil spirits and, and Jesus would cast out several demons. Don't think that they just like went home for good. Um, if you're not sure, just take a little stroll down downtown Seattle, Pioneer Square, and um, you'll see some activity. Again, back to the Cold War. We're at war. Demonic forces are here spiritually and physically. There are people who are demon possessed. Don't underestimate his relentless attacks, his tactics, his persistence. Um, he's at war with us. I hate to quote movies, but in Star Wars, the emperor, his evilness is so well personified. He loves being evil. And in the points when he's, he's showing his evilness, he's laughing and enjoying the moment. And, you could, and he's enjoying the wickedness of it. He's nothing compared to how Satan is. Well, the fourth reality is this war is against you. I know it's always easy to say, well, generally speaking, humanity. No, it personify this. The, the war is against you. And we see this again in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, So the war is against you. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist the devil in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm so you can stand firm. Verse 14, you stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert. You need to be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And so this, this attack is personal. It's personal. Um, and we're going to get into Ephesians 6 more, but... Remember, keep this in mind. We, we see here in Ephesians 6 that, that okay, the, the spiritual forces, the, the wicked forces, the, the heavenly forces, okay, they're the schemes of the devil. So here we see one of the names is the devil. In Matthew 12, 24, we see he's known as the prince of demons. He's the prince of the demonics, right? The evil angels. Matthew 13, 19, he is the evil one. John 8, 44, he is the father of lies. You ever met a good liar? Yeah, they're, they're good. They're tricky. You don't know when they're lying. A good liar, you don't know when they're lying. You find out after. He's the father of lies. 
verse uh, John 12:31 he's the ruler of this world this physical world that we see 2 Corinthians 4:4 4, 4 calls him the god of this world Ephesians 2:2 2, 2, the the prince of the power the, you know these powers of of of, of darkness Again, he's the roaring lion. In Revelation 19, 2 and 22 reminds us, he is the devil, yes, that serpent of old, all the way back to the beginning. He has been at war. He has been in this world war with humanity, this war with you, spiritually and physically, both. In heaven and in the garden. Against God and against Jesus. Against God's people. Against Israel. Against Christians. Against you. We see some more insight in, in, in Daniel. The book of Daniel. Uh, chapter 10. Chapter 10, starting at verse 7. Now I, Daniel, alone saw a vision. While the men who were with me did not see the vision, nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away and hid themselves. So I was left alone and saw a great vision, yet no strength was left in me. For my nat natural color turned to deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, and my face to the ground. Behold, a hand touched me and set me, trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words I'm about to tell you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when you had spoken this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. So, so we see individually, here's Daniel and, and, and Daniel's in, in prayer and meditation. And Daniel's trying to get this, this understanding and, and, and there he is, nothing's happening. And so it's like your words, Daniel, were heard. And I have come in response to your words. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, spiritual force is not physical, was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, the archangel, one of the chief princes came to help me. For I had been left there with the king of Persia the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet for future. So Daniel, completely unaware, you and I completely unaware at what's actually taking place. You're just walking around as an earthling. All you can see is your face. All you can feel is the pain of your 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 oldness or whatever. And you're not realizing there's spiritual things happening. In fact, right now, <clears throat> you don't understand why this is happening to you. And you're praying and you're going before the Lord and nothing seems to be happening. He's not listening. Is he there? What's going on? 
and, and we get some insight for 21 days there's a spiritual battle taking place and you didn't even know about it you thought you were alone and they're sending the big guns Michael the archangel is coming doing battle but you didn't see it you didn't know we wouldn't even know that this takes place if not for this passage but this is what's going on there's there's a war with with god there's a war with jesus there's a war with his people there's a war with you and all this is taking place and yet you just think you're like in a cold war that's happening somewhere else and it's doesn't relate to you and the beauty of this that, that, that we miss in missing it is that God tells us in Ephesians 6, look, there is a war, you're part of the war, and you can stand firm in the war. So, so you don't have to just like get by, you don't have to be a, a victim of the war. You, you, you can stand firm in this war against the wiles, right? against the deceptions, against the traps, against the world's forces, against the ways of the world. And they are everywhere, ever more now than ever before. But you can stand strong. No reason for fear. There's no reason for fear. And so the fifth reality is that this will all come to an end. Revelation 20. Revelation 20. <clears throat> and I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, in case you weren't sure. And Satan and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he should not deceive the nations any longer. It's amazing how many times when we see Satan, the devil that directly related to him, isn't power, isn't physical attack, it's deception. Listen and hear this. The, this is telling you, this is telling me, be on alert for deception constantly, nonstop. What we read, what we see, what we, what we watch, we have to be careful. Why? Because Satan loves to deceive the nations. Until a thousand years were completed after these things, he must be released for a short time. And I saw the thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because the testimony of Jesus and because the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years were com are completed, Satan will be released from prison. So a thousand years, no Satan. Jesus reigning. Thousand years. It's a long time. Some of you are getting close, but not quite. 
A thousand years. No Satan. He comes out. What's the first thing he does? Deceives the nations. We will always, always, forever be on high alert for deception. It, as long as there's breath in Satan's nostrils, there will be deception that we have to be on guard for. And our great defense is, it is written to know Scripture, to defend with Scripture. Otherwise, how are you going to know? Think about that way. How will you know what's being said to you is truth or lie? And he will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on a broad plain of the earth, surrounded the camp and the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever. His reign, his war will come to an end. It will come to an end. God has victory. God's people have victory. We have victory. He's a hostile opponent, but it will come to an end. He has an army. He's an adversary. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. I mean, think about Job all the time. That Satan would go up to heaven and accuse Job. And you think, you know, that's why snitches get stitches. You can't accuse God's people, right? He does it, and it seems as though he gets away with it. Is he going to get away with it? He's not going to get away with it, but he will try. Don't give him ammunition. Don't give him any more than he needs. He'll take advantage of that. Because he's a tempter and he's a liar and a deceiver through and through. And even though he is a defeated foe on the cross, on John 19, 20, when Jesus says, it is finished, it is it. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus paying the price on the cross for our sin, being the ultimate atonement and substitute for us. And that means the conquering of Satan. Satan was defeated at the cross. And the ultimate elimination of Satan is going to take place when he's forever thrown into the, the pit of fire. But remember the kamikazes up until the very last moment, they're going to keep coming over and over and over again. And so as long as you have breath, as long as you have life, you need to be ready for battle. You need to put your armor on. Would, would, would you go outside if right now, if we lived in Ukraine and there were bombs and tanks and soldiers going through, through the town, 
you would arm yourself. You would protect yourself. You, you would do everything you can to, 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 to be ready. Why would we do any different? Even though he was cast out of heaven, he still, he still in his, his last effort desires to elevate himself to the throne of God. He wants power. And so he will counterfeit that and will take any temporary type of weak power he can get. He's at the end of the day, he is the ultimate source. When you take a look at some of the current events that's happening, he loves death. So people die. He loves the destruction of family. So the families are being attacked. He, he hates God. So he attacks the church. It's a simple game plan. And so he's the source of any little way he can go about it, he will. He'll do anything and everything in his power to oppose God and those. Remember we talked about the enemy of my enemies, my enemy, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is his arch enemy. That makes us his arch enemy. So are we under the understanding that that makes him our arch enemy and we're in battle together, not just physically, but also spiritually, because this is a spiritual battle that the Bible is very clear is taking place. Very clear. This isn't a metaphor. This isn't a typology. This isn't allegory. This is truth and reality that God so graciously lets us know who are we, why are we here, and, and what is going on? Well, let me tell you, there's a God who created the universe, and he's in the heavenlies. He's a spiritual being. There are other spiritual being, beings, angels. Third of those spiritual be, beings rebelled. One of them's name is Satan, and they're on the attack. We know this from the very beginning pages of Scripture. And while we're reading the Bible and we see, you know, the Israelites and we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we see real people in real time. We also see the, the satanic and the demonic woven throughout history, biblical history, so that we know we're not just wrestling flesh and blood, but we're also wrestling against the spiritual forces which we'll dive into even more in the next couple of weeks. Let's pray. Lord.